Come on, let's give him praise. Pastor Moore's coming. Everybody say, jump on in Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, you're so wonderful, Jesus. Oh, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today? Man, this is, this is, this is who we hunger for. This is what we thirst for. It's the touch of God and the presence of the Lord in our lives. The Spirit of God that can lift up a standard. The Spirit of God that can reach into our souls and our minds and our lives and help us. Don't underestimate even on a Sunday morning like this and what just transpired and what just took place. I believe God's going to help some to put their foot on that devil. Amen. Here this morning. I believe God's helped some already here today to have a visitation and a touch of God. Amen. That they're going to quit letting that old devour, amen, to devour their finances and rob them. Now I'm going to get my foot on him by the help of God. I'm going to get my foot on that devil. Amen. I'm going to get my foot on that caterpillar. Amen. He's eating his last meal from my house. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to plead the blood against him. I'm going to war against him. I'm going to pray for the wisdom and the knowledge and the skill and the talent. Amen. To do what I ought to be doing. Amen. I can't do this, but I know one that can help me. Amen. It's not my battle anyway. It's his. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Sister Gina, can I tell you something this morning? Amen. All the trials and all the troubles that you've been through. Amen. But you know what? It's worth it to be in the house of truth this morning. To know about the Holy Ghost. To know about Jesus Christ. Because you could have still been where you're at and had a million dollar house and two or three million dollars in a bank account and lost and undone. But I'd rather be a beggar on the side of the road. We sing it, but do we mean it? I'd rather be a beggar on the side of the road living from paycheck to paycheck and struggling to get from that point to that point, but yet to be able to walk in the house of truth to know that I got an inheritance that's laid up. I got eternal life and laid up. Hallelujah. And I don't have to worry about death and I don't have to worry about the divine. Amen. Telling you the devil's not going to win. The devil's not going to win. The world's not going to win. I tell you, I ain't told. He says, I don't overcome it. Cheer up. I've overcome the world. So can you. I kicked the devil out of heaven. I'm going to kick him out of the earth. I'm going to kick him right in the lake of fire. Hey, I tell you, our enemy's already been defeated. Praise God. Praise God. So it's exciting to be able to come to the house of God and worship him, magnify and exalt him. Amen. And I want my countenance to show that. My actions to show that. Hallelujah. I'm just glad to be here. I don't know how many devils I had to run over. Physically, physically, spiritually. I'm just glad to be here. I couldn't think of a better place to be. Amen. If the devil guaranteed me if I went to the casinos this morning, I'd have won a million dollars. I'd have said no deal. Not interested. Knocking on the wrong door. Hallelujah. I'd rather be here. Amen. If I got to struggle every day of my life, I'd rather be here. Because you're going to struggle. You better start paying attention, looking around. The rich are struggling. The educated are struggling. The world's going down. Amen. In a cesspool. The church is the only thing that's going up, honey. And it doesn't matter who you are and where you came from or the color of your skin. When you sold out to this, you're going to be a winner. And how blessed. Man, for others, it's able to be born and raised into this great apostolic, one God-believing church and faith. We're blessed here today. We're blessed here today, aren't we? Lord, bless you. You may be seated. Appreciate you. 
Praise God. Praise God. Pray for others. Some sick. Some's got the crud. Some's got stomach viruses and different things still kind of uh, sticking its head up here and there. And but let's pray for them. And, uh, let's pray for Jake's dad had a heart attack this past week. Come through the procedures well, though doing good as far as I know right now. And so let's continue to pray for him. That God be with him He's out in California, and uh, but God would be there and keep him. Hallelujah! God help him, Sister Tammy. He'll be home tonight. What a good deal. Amen. He must be a traveling medic. Okay. So, but anyway, so let's keep them in our prayers. And God would just keep him. Maybe uh, the Holy Ghost and the fullness of this gospel and truth. Folks, you and I got to make up in our minds. We're, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not selling out. I thank God for this truth, this beautiful truth. Amen. Lord bless you. How many is praying for your Sunday school teachers? God would anoint them and bless them. Impart the word of God into our children's hearts and minds and spirit. Man, we want to see this happen, don't we? We want to see them. Man, not only anoint them with words of wisdom and skill, but God with inspiration. The power of God and the Holy Ghost would fill up those Sunday school rooms and impact our children, impact our youth. Man, you can't just depend on just a occasion, a visitation here and there. Man, we need it every time we come to the house of God. Love you. Appreciate you. God bless our classes. Make their way back to the classrooms. Man, it's good to see each one of you in the house of God today. Come to love God and worship the Lord. I didn't have a new Sunday school books. We got some. We need to give them out. Amen. Take them. Take them. Please take them. Man. Hallelujah. Thank God. His goodness and grace here today. To work on our behalves and work on our souls. He's had a good week. Man, I believe he's living a victorious life today. today. Man, how many of you are thankful for the Holy Ghost? Praise God. I mean, he's ever been overlooked in life. Or at least you felt like you felt like you was overlooked. And amen. And wasn't considered. And maybe you was one of those that stood there until one of the last ones picked. Because nobody really wanted you on their team. But then when they finally picked you, you was the one that hit the home run. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad God, he, he doesn't overlook anyone. The Bible's made it very clear to us that he came to save the world. That was the whole purpose of Jesus Christ. He come to tear down those petitions and walls even that had been built between the Jews and the Gentile people. 
you watch the work of God in beginning in Genesis, amen, the first process was to the whole world and to deal with the whole world. And then that process finally, it kind of goes, man just has a, um, has his fallen nature about him. It's easier to uh, slip away from God than it is to pursue God. I mean, it's just that way. That's the reason some of our own struggles after the baptism of the Holy Ghost is keeping ourselves disciplined enough, amen, to keep that upward strive, that climb, amen, because that's what it's going to be. That warfare goes on in our minds and in these vessels. Hallelujah. You can't let up. You can't back off. Amen. That's the reason obedience is better than sacrifice. Falling in love with truth, falling in love with God's presence, falling in love with the things of God, amen, the principles, commandments, the statues, the way of living, amen, because this God is mindful of the poor. He's mindful of the strangers and the orphanage, the fatherless. This is one thing that got Israel in trouble time and time again, is how they would mishandle individuals at times, and sometimes that can be in as a, a government or as uh, a nation. And sometimes it gets right down to the individual. Man, mishandling, uh, mistreating somebody. Man, you know, it's, we raise all kind of sand and smoke about it when we're mistreated. But we sure don't want it talked about when we mistreat somebody. <laughs> we don't want nobody, hey, shh, don't mention that. The one that was mistreated sure wants to bring it up. <laughs> they want to broadcast it. In fact, they want to sue and get some money out of it. <laughs> that went over big. <laughs> Amen. Oh, I want to be, you know, I'm, they got all these type of damages done to me. <laughs> I wonder if we've ever done God wrong. I wonder if we've ever mistreated God. <laughs> I wonder if there's any way we could ever really pay him back. Well, that went kind of. See, a lot of times we have to kind of put ourselves in certain places to get a true picture. That's the reason when you go to court, you need two or three witnesses that saw the incident from two or three different angles. Because if that happens and all their stories has enough involvement in it that paints the picture, it gives you a pretty solid case, amen, to win it, to persuade the jury what's being told of the eyewitnesses. As we look at this lesson this morning, and... Um, the focus, you know, is on children. That's kind of, he kind of just using them. But as, as, as children, in a way, to represent all. That's maybe was overlooked and mistreated. And um, he says some pretty important things here this morning. And some things that 
that's not only true for children, but it's true for all of us at times. Especially when we feel like that, that we, don't, we don't have the, um, we're not represented maybe. Or we just, you know, nobody cares and I'm a nobody. You know, that has a tendency to happen sometimes. And, uh, but you know what? God, God's not going to overlook anybody. We're going to see that even in this lesson this morning. But I, I do believe there's a certain cry. I believe there's a, a certain method, a certain way that really gets the attention of God. And it doesn't matter who you are and where you're at and your condition. When that cry is made, God will make a way. God will take those individuals that, that maybe nobody was hearing, such as Rizba, that was willing to war off beasts, the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field, both when the weather was good and when the weather wasn't so good. She was willing to do that even for a season, for a time when... When for a little while, nobody didn't probably pay her any attention when she first showed up. And she pitched a tent out there on that desert and out in that wilderness. Man, because the king had made a decision to send her two boys and others to be beheaded. And their bodies just left open for the fowls of the air and the beast of the field to scatter. But she purposed in her heart and she purposed in her spirit. I'm not going to let this happen to my boys. I'm not going to let it take place. But eventually in time, somebody brought it to David's attention, brought it to the king's attention. You know, if you and I will just be consistent a lot of times and steadfast, and especially when we know that we're right and it's pleasing to God. How many of you believe the Bible when it says that God so loved the world? How many of you believe it's the will of God that for all to be saved? Now, we know it's not, but on the other hand, let's don't use that for a crutch. Not to witness. Not to sow the seed. Not to prejudge and say, well, they probably, we, all, we have to watch that. I mean, it's just in us. It's just, you know, don't say, well, don't we do it? We all do it. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation and maybe a certain group that's got a bad rap, a bad name, and you, start, you got in a situation, you couldn't avoid them, but when you begin to deal with them, all of a sudden, their conversation and their mannerism said, man, I never expected that kindness, that gentleness. I mean, when a guy walks in, and he's about 250 pounds, and he's got black, black leather on, and, you know, and a big old beard, and shaggy-looking hair, and tattoos all over him, and earrings hanging out of him, and... and uh, before he ever even opens his mouth, you know, you're already making some decisions. <laughs> you're already, already making some judgments. And, and I, just let me play this out a little bit. Uh, but, but that's the reason the Bible warns us about entertaining strangers. There's a strong possibility it could be an angel. But for sure, it's a prospect for God. It's a vessel for the Holy Ghost. And you and I could be that special vessel that starts the wheels turning. Amen. You and I may be that vessel that does a little planning or maybe a little, little watering. 
man, even though Paul made it clear to us that we're nothing. God's the one that gives the increase. But if we allow God to use us, you just never know. But then as you begin to maybe deal with that individual or four or five of them, when they begin to open their mouth, and there's a kindness, a gentleness, maybe even a soft voice, and you're going, I've had a few in the store. I've, I've talked to others after they left. I said, man, I didn't really expect that kind of, you know. They said, and others just walked in, man, they looked like they would be, looked like they'd been eating angel food ever since they got here. But when they opened their mouth, <laughs> and whenever you started dealing with them, you're thinking, where did this devil come from? You're in Sunday school. Don't go to sleep on me. You're in the most important place of your life at this moment. It's more important than when you do your banking. It's more important, amen, than when you go to your physical physician. It's more important. Just sit up and open our ears. And folks, I, I, I haven't got so accustomed to the house of God that when I get here that I, I want to hear I go to camp meeting all in places. Man, I'm going to sit up. I'm going to listen. I'm going to hear what's got to be said. That's, I'm going to feel what God wants to, what's, what's God want to do. What's, man. So looking for the overlooked. Looking for the overlooked. Looking for the opportunity to, to maybe help somebody and bless somebody, to uplift somebody, to give direction. Lesson's big idea. Well, I would bless and serve those others overlooked. The lesson basically is telling us, and it focused on children, I understand that. And, you know, it would do us well to treat kids kind and gentle. Amen. Both the good and the bad. The real task is to treat them that acts like little devils. To be kind to them, to be gentle to them, and, and to be willing to work with them, to try to help them. Amen. Amen. Because there's a strong possibility... Because sometimes those vessels haven't got any attention. They don't know what it is to be loved at the house. All they know is fussing and fighting and bickering and huh, drugs and alcohol and one extreme to the other. Amen. And so they don't know how to be kind. They don't know how to be kind to one another. And so they've never been instructed. They haven't never been. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Even at the very beginning of this, this lesson here this morning, how important, uh, how thankful you and I are that people was willing to take out time with us to help guide us, to help instruct us, to help us along this way. I know a lot of times we put a lot of focus on when mama corrected us with a, with, a, with a switch or when daddy had to take the belt. and Those, no doubt, have everlasting remembrance. <laughs> But yet, what about those other times when it was that talk or that little bit of action or that little bit of kindness that also played as just as much as a role? More so in their actions. I know I've said this before, and I'm not sure if you believe me or not. <laughs> Especially in the world that we're living today and the times that we're living in. Seem like the biggest thing, the most important thing is hanging somebody's dirty laundry out. That's in private times and other times. But I can remember as I got older, got married, and got to hearing some things that went on in our community. And people say, you didn't know nothing about that. I said, I never heard that. I don't know anything about that. 
Well, you're big enough and old enough, I might have been. But it wouldn't have been talked at my house. I'm just being honest with you. Daddy and Mama just didn't do it. There's certain areas they didn't want us to go, but they didn't go into detail. They didn't run the people down. They just say it's best you don't go and get involved that bunch. And so I remember that. We was we was we just seemed to I'd get a whipping if I come and tattled on my brother. Well, that went over good. <laughs> we, we, we just, and it got in us. Hey, it'd be hard, you'd be hard pressed today to get me to title on my brothers today. Just to run them down, to say. Now, if you was doing a business deal with them and they wasn't any good, I'd, I'd have to, you know, especially if you was a saint of God, <laughs> I'd feel responsible enough to... <laughs> But I'd make it as limited as I could. I wouldn't go out of my way. I've, well, I don't know how I got on this, but here I am. I, I've, I've, I've dealt with certain times and certain situations, and I've seen people light up when they begin to run somebody down. I've watched their eyes begin to sparkle and their countenance, and almost like it was a pleasure to belch out all that information. About them. And when that would happen, I'd always make sure in my own spirit and heart and mind to make sure to put up a flag any time I dealt with that individual. Because they like to tell it sometimes that they like to tell it the way they like to tell it. And if they come along and ask for information, unless it's a life or death situation, I don't give it to them. I'm not going to give them the privilege to say, well, Brother Moore told me, and then they twist it. and Boy, this ain't part of the lesson. Yes, it is. Man. We become a product of our environment. We really do. What we associate, what we encounter, what, what spirits that we become encounter with. And uh, there is a lot all that that I, time won't allow us this morning. But now this helps sets the stage why children are so important. And, and, and their lives and the outcome of their lives. And the opportunity in their lives. You know, in one sense, we'd like to say, well, everybody's had the same opportunity. But that's not true, is it? It's really, it's not. You and I, we know that there's some children around us in our community. Unless God, through his mercy and grace, and you and I, through compassion and, and with some effort, don't try to reach out to them. They don't have much of a chance. To see a whole lot of good things in life. See those positive things. Those godly things. They'll be raised by Hollywood. They'll be raised by partying. 
Instead of paying like bills, let's go buy another hit. Instead of having uh, decent homes and uh, decent automobiles, we'd rather live like this and enjoy this type of lifestyle because that's how the reason they get locked up into that. They get. Uh, I know it's early. I'm wide awake. <laughs> Praise God. I tell you, we had a move of God here this morning. And God's working. And God's still in the business, amen, of pulling people out of the miry clay. God's still in the business of looking those that's possibly overlooked. Now, there's a lot to this, and God help me. I want God to help me. It takes, and the writer talks about that. He, he talks about Joseph. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And, and, uh, and I still don't agree even with this writer to, to some I just don't agree. I just, I just don't find it. It may be all me. I'm going to be dead wrong. But I, I just don't see Joseph like they see him in a certain... I don't see him feeling for, sorry for himself. I don't see him having a pity party. I don't see him doing all that. God, God, God used him. And besides that, the Scripture tells us many a times that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And, and you know what? I believe Joseph knew that the Lord was with him. That's, that's the key. Go to the New Testament. The, one of the ranges promises that Jesus said, I'll never forsake you. But watch one of the weapons of the enemy. One of the first things if he can get you in a valley or get you start headed in that area where I'm a nobody. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. God, you don't even know where I'm at. Well, you know that's a lie. You know, if you listen to the devil and listen to your flesh and, and to those spirits sometimes, they'll drive you into places that you'd never went if you hadn't listened to those voices. And, and especially sometimes those individuals. You know, something I was impressed with this week? In prayer and praying about our nation and, and that little situation with that 18-year-old boy. I know everybody's wanting to find the answers to all that. You know what one of his major problems was? And I don't even know him. I don't even know the story. But I believe the Holy Ghost gave me something. You know what it was? Revenge. I don't know what all happened to him. I don't know what all took place. But for you to act the way he acted, revenge is the main core and the main spirit that pushed him. I hurt. Somebody hurt me. I'm going to get somebody. And revenge, when it's put in your own power, and you take it in your own grasp, you always go further than what they deserved. That's the reason they recommend parents, when you've lost your temper with your child, don't whip them then. Because you could hurt them, and, and with not intent, but under, under that, uh, be mad. And, 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 and I've heard some parents sometimes make statements about kids, and it was all about embarrassing them. It's not that they loved a kid. I just stepped into something, maybe. I, I'm just going to obey the Holy Ghost here, though. I, I'm not smart enough to do with this, so I'm just going to let God help me do it. 
But the real love, man, just, you know what, that's my baby, and I'm going to love them. I don't care who they are, what they've done, where they went, I'm still going to love them. Now, that doesn't mean I condone it. doesn't mean I agree with it, and I believe there's a right method and a way of correcting. But I don't think we ought to do it out of revenge because you embarrassed me. Well, I'm fixing to say something. And I pray and hope, you know, that I don't have to, you know, something a lot worse. But you know what? Regardless of what my son and daughter does and what they get called up in, they'll never hear their daddy say, I've divorced you. You're not my kid any longer. You're not mine. I don't claim you. Don't you ever dart my doors again. Don't you ever call. Don't you ever come back into my life again. And I don't know how I've got on this, but I've always felt that regardless of how far they go out there, the only way they're going to ever make it back is to know that, you know what, Daddy loves me. Mama loves me still. I've been a heathen. I've been no good. What brings you back to God? What brings you back to the house of God? What causes us that when we stumble and fall and mess up, we, we, we get up with a godly sorrow and repent and brush it off. You know why? Because God, you love me. You love me with an everlasting love. And, and, but this, uh, that love is what's going to help me overcome this and rise above it. And you know what? It do kids good sometimes that when they get older to use that same principle toward mamas and daddies. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm digging deep this morning. I tell you right now, the Holy Ghost, I'm digging deep. <laughs> it do some kids good. And when they get older to look back and say, you know what, Mom and Daddy made some mistakes. But I'm not going to hold it against them forever. I'm not going to, no, I got a love for them. They're my daddy and mama. I wouldn't even be here if they wasn't here. And even though they didn't do everything perfect. Because you know what, sometimes I got to look around at my own parenting and see how well I'm doing. Before I put so much judgment on mine and criticize them, I got to look at myself and say, well, how, good, how well have I done? How, how perfect have I been? Amen. And I, quickly, it don't take long. I start looking around saying, I'm going to show a lot of compassion, a lot of mercy. In fact, I show my, I tell my mom, I tell some folks, I'm still amazed sometimes at mom and daddy what they was able to do. No, we didn't get to buy a lot of toys and we didn't go places and we didn't do things because we didn't have the money to do it. But sometimes I wonder how to have the money, amen, to buy clothes, amen, to put food on our table or any of those things you know but it didn't hurt none of us we survived amen we made it that didn't mean they didn't love us they loved us amen it never crossed my mind growing up amen they talk about picking up the phone and calling this and calling that. first of all I didn't know if there's anybody available to call amen you mean call somebody all I got call on mom and daddy after grandma and grandpa left amen we had old Smokey outside that was old collie dog now that's one thing about it was outside mama couldn't whip us amen she'd have to get us on the inside. Amen. Because some smoky wouldn't let them whip us. Amen. She'd get between them. Amen. Hey, we liked old Smokey. That was like, I was like, I'm about to tell you, that was our dog. Amen. Hey, Bobby didn't like her. She bit her one day. Joseph was out crying one day. She just went to pick him up. Amen. You couldn't do that, you know. But anyway, watch this. I'll tell you, but you know what? I, I never, never, it crossed my mind. It ever crossed my mind that I didn't have an uncle or an aunt that didn't like me or care for me. It never crossed my mind. But you look at the world, the different worlds we're living in. Because today, amen, the world that we're living, the time that we're living, children a lot of time are just pushed to the side. 
And as the writer says, sometimes treat it as nobodies. Amen. Just treat it like, boy, he made some statements about him. You know, how many's heard the statement, children are to be seen but not heard? And, and come on, we understand there are times. There are times, hey, children don't need to be present. There are conversations at times that I ain't talking about gossiping either. If it's gossiping, it ain't even, it ain't, you ought not even be there. <laughs> Just get your kids and leave. Come on, we're going over here. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if it's wholesome and godly and whatever, you know, some business had to be taken care of, but, you know, you know, you know. So, amen. But, but when you talk about kids, they, they understand a lot more than what we give them credit but they just don't know how to communicate that sometimes. They don't know how to, to re, respond to that. And, and he goes on, he talks about, you know, to train up, train up. To train up a child, it takes time. How many's got, how many in this house have got all the time you need to do just whatever you want? It's going to be just a very small number, I promise you. Most of us battles with time day in and day out. And that's became more so today. I'm going to get trouble here. But let's just, let's look at where we're at today compared to where we was at 50 years ago. 50 years ago, I don't have nothing to back this up but me and <laughs> the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Fifty years ago, I wonder what percentage, and please don't be offended what I'm fixing to say, because I'm looking about a high, about a high for this church, if not better, the mama's is working. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but 50 years ago, I wonder what percentage of mamas was carrying, holding a public job. Now, according to the scriptures, now, it makes it what they want to, but believe it or not, the mother is the manager of the house. In a lot more ways than one. So what I'm, what I'm trying to get us to understand the times that we're in. The demand of our time. So if I can get them out of the home and away from children and let somebody else. I'm going to tell you something. Who, who's going to have the best interest of those kids? Of what they're going to be exposed to. How many enjoys to take your baby when you're out building a shed? And would you like for your little six-year-old to come out and help you? All right, let's be honest here. Yeah, baby, come on. Come on, baby, you can run this drill. Well, y'all need to talk to Anlin because she thinks she can. <laughs> I want to help you, pal, popping up. Okay, come on, because you know what? This lesson in the Word of God says, you better. You better let her. Okay, I'm in a hurry, but anyway. And so, you know what I do? I get down there. You know, she wants to get on the ladder doing it. I won't let her do them. But I get down here, and I get to screw in, and I start it. I say, okay, baby, now, don't, don't do it too much. I say, whoa, 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 whoa. So I got to take that one out and throw it away because we busted that washer. 
<laughs> she didn't bother her a bit. <laughs> She's ready for the next one. I said, no, I well, got to take your time now. Just bear. I said, let, let me hold this part and you mash the trigger. Now you, you done good that time. And we're going to the next. So it took me about three or four minutes to do one screw where it takes about five or six seconds. And so even becomes the house of God in other areas. I mean, your mom's love for your babies to help you cook. <laughs> Praise God. I can see the mess already. <laughs> It'll be on the ceiling, on the counters, on them, on you, on the floor. There'll be much. You won't have enough to make the cake. <laughs> But that's the only way they're going to learn. That's the only way they're going to grasp it and comprehend it. I'm preaching to us this morning. Children, a lot of times, man, if we're not careful, even to house of God, we'll have a tendency, you know. To... And so we have to be careful. Got to be careful. Because we want them to be introduced to God. I thought about this a couple of Sundays ago. We had uh, the children dedicated to a man, Ferguson children here. And every time we do that, and prayer and just pondering and thinking about how important it is. But to, to, to nurture them, this is what Scripture says, to nurture them. Man, that means to provide for them the ingredients but when it comes to God and the spiritual part of them, I thought, oh, God. I look back and realize how much better I could have done. I'll just be honest. Of, of our children. Now, my babies knew what it was, too. Man, when they cried, cut up, and whatever, I, I didn't, it wouldn't stop me from praying at the house. If I had to, I'd get in my arms. And as much of a burden it might have been to walk up and in that place. They were small enough. <laughs> but if we're not careful, we'll have a tendency that when they get a little older, and they start getting three and four and five and six, we'll let them start doing this, doing something else, while we go and pray. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you now. When, when, when all in reality, we should have had them in that same bedroom with us. Felt the power of God. I wonder what happened to our children. And I've worked on this some at the house. I'm, I'm getting a second shot at it. So I, I've worked on it some because I ask them sometimes. I said, well, let's pray. Let's, let's, let's pray. And immediately, so they, they shine even there. That falling nature about us, that, that place of, of it's just not, and even here. But you know what? We're working on that. I believe one of the best decisions I ever made is a few months ago, amen, when we started bringing folks and letting them come up before, before we ever start the rest of the service and anointing them, because that's what the Bible says. Lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover, anointing them with oil and the prayer of faith prayed over them. If any sick, I'm going to let them call over the elders. And I know I got a lot of that backwards, but uh, still the same. And so if we practice that, because if you really don't, because I'm going to watch this, if you quit practicing it after a while, you just won't believe it any longer. You won't believe it's essential. You won't believe it's necessary. 
That's the reason I could carry you to places up and down this road that don't even have any olive oil in their sanctuary. Let's must take out time to pray. It slipped away. Got away from it. And so, as we watch some of this, and, and he talked about Joseph sitting on that bench and maybe... I don't really see that. I really don't, amen, because the dreams that he had and the encounters he had with God, I believe there was something inside of Joseph that regardless of the trials, amen, and the heartaches and the disappointments and the struggles that I have to go through, amen, to accomplish that dream, to finish this course, amen, to finish this outcome, Man, God is with us. Same way with you and I, regardless of the process that God may. Nobody just doesn't stumble into truth. Nobody just happens to just walk in. No, God, God, it's looking. It doesn't miss nothing. Amen. He doesn't overlook nobody. He gives opportunities for every, everybody. At some point, sometimes, somehow, someplace. God, God. Amen. And it's, sometimes it may just be a moment. It just may be that one instant. Amen. Man, I, and, and Brother Nate, do you mind telling that today at the end of this service? Do you mind? And you don't have to call names or nothing in case she's listening. <laughs> Amen. But we're going to do a little something different here this morning. He called me uh, this morning and after looking at this lesson, but we, you'll see in a few minutes. And, and so to, to overlook, and, and we're, we're so prone and subject a lot of times to, to, and we're all, I'm guilty of it. Amen. But God help us. See, this is why it's so important to be led by the Spirit of God. Because we're led by the Spirit of God. You know what? Most of the time we're going to be walking contrary to carnality and the way that we think we ought to do it and how it ought to be done. Amen. Because God's ways are so far above ours as the heavens above the earth. It's just not a natural thing. It's just it's not just going to come easy to do what God wants us to do and the way God wants us to do it and the time that God wants us to do it. That's the reason we got to be led by the Spirit of God. That's the reason we got to be sensitive unto the Holy Ghost in those moments and times. Amen. As you watch your scripture lesson, I know I never got to it, but we fixed it to Mark 10. Amen. And if you'll read that whole chapter, the beginning of that chapter, and some episodes that have taken place even prior to this about marriage and divorce and things of that nature and it gets back to the house if you read it on amen he addressed the whole congregation because the Pharisees come and ask him about that question and they come asking him that question they, they ask him many questions and most of those questions asked to tempt him they was trying to find him in some kind of error they was trying to find him in some way that they could crucify him and so but even when they get to the house with his disciples if you read on there they, they question him again about it and then as they're at that house and the setting has taken place and immediately following this conversation amen they, you're going to read our lesson text where they bring the little children for him to touch them and for him to spend time with them. I believe it's Luke's writings of the same scenario and he writes and calls them infants. That's pretty small. Pretty young. And so we can, by the writings of Matthew, Mark, and Luke as we tie and bring them all together in this same setting as they bring their children to Jesus. Now remember something. Remember, the consequences of coming to Jesus, especially as a Jew, they were prone or subject to be cast out of the tabernacle. They wouldn't have the benefits or the blessings of them. 
Even to one point where the, the blind lad, a man that was born that way, and even the disciples would question Jesus about who sinned, amen, to cause this. And Jesus says, neither him nor his parents, but for the kingdom of God, for the glory of the kingdom of God, and the work of God, amen. And you questions about this lad as God heals him. And they question the parents, even takes it to the point, finally, uh, you know, you ask him, he's of age. Because they feared the people and they feared the, the, the Jews, the leadership, the spiritual leaders of that time. And so it wasn't a real popular thing to bring their children to Jesus. Everybody wasn't, you know, in favor of it. Watch this. Do you think raising our children in the house of God is one of the most favorite things for our nation to do? It used to be. But it's not anymore. In fact, if you listen to a lot that brings theirs to the house of God, they may let a bus come pick them up. They may let a van come get them. And, and don't take it. I'm just telling you the, the idea, the, the lives of the world that we're living in. Thank God you're bringing yours. Thank God you're coming. Huh. But we're living in a nation today that's Bringing children to the house of God is not an important thing anymore. It's not the heartbeat of our nation. At one time it was. I could remember, I was still at Ingalls, and they wanted to send all supervision through a program called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Our superintendents and general superintendents, we had a meeting. They had us all there. And, and, and basically when they told us, told us about this and they was going to do it, this is how they summed it up. He said, we're basically going to go back and this will teach us back in our Sunday school days. And that's the exact words they used of what we learned in Sunday school. How to treat our fellow man. How to handle life and circumstances and situations. And some of the ones that were saying that weren't churchgoers at that time. Man. But they had been brought up. At least to a certain degree. Of knowing what Sunday school was about. And coming to the house of God. And so we understand the importance of children. And how to raise them and how to bring them and to usher them in. But um, as we watch this, what's the Bible say about some of this? Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. In other words, the child is to be initiated in the way of life or from the earliest days of intelligence. Have any of you ever had a... Anybody, any of you ever have to instruct your child how to lie? <laughs> Praise God. You didn't, did you? 
Did you ever lie before them so they would learn how to do it? <laughs> I'll get you awake now. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, you, you didn't do that. But, but what, what, what do you have to do most of the time? What do you tell them? Don't you lie to me. And so we have to train them. We have to instruct them. We have to help them because it's just that falling nature in us to, to write the opposite, go in the wrong direction. And so you and I, as we raise them up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord, and we bring them to the house of God. Amen. But, but to, to do what? Now watch this. That's reading is so important. And we're working on this part right here. For the glory of God to be in the house of God. For the presence, that Shekinah presence of God to be in the house. Because we want to introduce our children at an early age of his glory, of his splendor, of his presence, of who he is and what he is. That is not treated like a spare time. That when we come to the house of God, we give Him our attention. And not everything else is going on. Because this is the most important thing. It's happening in our lives. But if we're not careful. Anybody ever heard of homework? Anybody ever get mad at the teacher because of sending so much homework home? <laughs> I'm messing with y'all today, ain't I? <laughs> you know why they send them homework? Because they don't have enough time to do it all at school. And you can say what you want to about them. It's kind of like the bus drivers. <laughs> Before I shoot all of them, I'd go get a job and see how well I could handle it. It's like pastor, and everybody needs to be a pastor, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it is the truth. <laughs> Have you ever been on one side of the counter and deal with it, and all of a sudden life, and, and all of a sudden now you on the other side of the counter, <laughs> and the light comes on. And you start remembering. I remember when I was on that side. And I remember how I used to act. And now that I'm on this side, I got a little better understanding. <laughs> and so when we're trying to train up, that's what we're doing. We're trying to prepare them for life and for decisions and for direction. See, we don't believe that you and I are individually predestinated. I don't get no amens or no nothing there. You hesitate on me. That's okay. The church is predestinated. There was, it's going to be a church. There is a church. There's going to be a church. There's going to be a church rapture. But you and I are not guaranteed to be in it. We make the decision. We have the power to choose. How much power 
does Marshall have this morning to choose? The only choice he can make. But he can't do nothing about his situation. He's going to depend on somebody else to clean him up. He's going to depend on somebody else to feed him. And if somebody don't respond, he can scream until he dies. If somebody don't come. So, and I'm not even going to go into the discussion I had with Brother Ferguson this week. I'm going to leave that alone. Because it's tough. It's real tough. But that's one reason we use as an argument against abortion. Trying to be a voice for someone that doesn't have a voice. That's really a lot of times when we make this statement overlooked. That means this individual really doesn't have a voice. But needs somebody to recognize them. And become a voice for them. To move upon. What to, even Joseph. He depended upon a butler. To be a voice for him. To get him out of his dilemma. Took two years. Actually the butler had forgot about him. If we're not careful. The world that we're living in today. Oh we love them little babies. They're so precious. They're this. But there's times we'd love to have a place that we can forget about them. You know, just put them right over here. Hang them up on a little nail. We'll be back later. <laughs> but we can't do that, can we? I mean, I guess we can, but <laughs> just don't get caught. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. <laughs> They're going to get you. In fact, we got laws in our society. If you leave certain ages in an automobile by themselves and something happened, really it don't have to happen. The right guy walks by, you're in trouble, sweetheart. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is helping us today. Watch this. If we're walking with God, if we're walking in the Holy Ghost, there's a responsibility of walking with him that comes with that. And that responsibility is to be a witness. That's what Acts 1 and 8 talks about the Holy Ghost. It makes us witnesses. Of who? Of Jesus. I to read it's so important to be under the influence and the power. And to walk in it and die out daily. And to walk in it. Because watch this. You never know when that real trying time is going to come. In fact, most of the time it come when you pray the least. The least. Or when you got so busy doing this and doing that. And all of a sudden. How do you remember Katrina? Brother Ferguson, you remember what we was doing for Katrina? Did you know there was a Katrina? The Saturday before the Sunday? We, I didn't. I come here on that Sunday morning. They all talking about a storm out there. They all asking, we're going to have church tonight. What do you mean we're going to have church tonight? What are you talking about? I didn't have a clue. 
I made a lot of preparations, didn't I? <laughs> we did from after service to, tonight, but, to, but until then, I hadn't made any. And so, preparing, preparing. Why, why have we passed laws? Guess what? Once you have put your kids in public school and they don't show up for a few days, guess what's going to happen? You can get a phone call. Somebody's going to knock on your door. Somebody's going to be looking for you. Now, who are they going to come looking for? Who are they going to come looking for? Mama. Mama. Or daddy, because mama may not be there. But daddy's good chance won't be there either. That's a reason it's so important. The most, one of the best ways I can train up my babies about the house of God is to show up. Not just to show up. But show up early at prayer time. Oh, come on. Preach to me now. Preach to me. <laughs> Amen. That, that when music starts and worship starts, I'm in. I don't care if they sing Amazing Grace or a brand new song I've never heard. I'm in. Because I'm at the house of God and I'm obligated to worship Him. Besides that, I'm training some babies. I ain't training them just to show up and sit on a chair. Man, I'm digging. Amen. I'm not, I mean, because, I mean, there's times to sit, but but there's also times, amen, to have the move of God and the glory of God. There's got to be some action that takes place. There's got to be some response that takes place. That's the reason when we come up here and pray, it really doesn't matter who's praying and what they're praying for. God, you help me connect. You help me to plug in. It doesn't matter who they are and where they come from. It don't matter whose baby it is. It doesn't matter who they're standing in for. I don't even have to know. I don't even have to know. I have to know about the circumstance. But if I help plug in as a part of this body, amen, and you know what? I'm training others. I'm training them little babies. Amen. Hallelujah. They didn't understand. It's just as important for me, amen, to get up here and get involved and lay hands on them, especially when they come to the altar and they're seeking God. Amen. I don't have a right. Amen. That's not training them sitting back there and saying, well, that's really that person's not important. They, they're not worth our effort. They're not worth our energy. Oh, you're not saying that. Your actions are saying that. Our actions are saying that. And I understand there's times when you're not physically able, but come on, let's don't look for loopholes. I'm, I'm, I'm quit trying to give you some too. No, this, this is something that's got to get a hold of us. You know, because you know what? You never know. This, that may be the only service, this may be the only shot we got. Maybe the only chance it's a turnaround for them. And if we miss it, they may not be back. So, forsaking that responsibility. The writer talks about training. Pretty well what I've done said this morning, but just just let me let me read this. The truth is training and including children in our lives is time consuming and a lot of work. Amen. 
It is inconvenient and requires a great deal of patience, which just hangs off all of us. We just got abundance of that. So, <laughs> But once children are properly trained and become part of productivity of society, productive in society, they will carry their own weight and then some. You know why our, our government, and we've got to be careful because if, if, if you watch it today, I think they want us all to get on a welfare program because they can control you. Hey, that mark of beast is coming, buddy. No trading, no buying or nothing without that mark. I told some in the hardware store just in the last week or two. I said, it's one thing if, uh, you know, I don't have nothing to eat. But what you going to do when them little babies is begging for something? Crying out. We ain't eating three days, mama. What you going to do, daddy? Somebody's going to face that. Now, most people hope the church, you know, doesn't made it. But I'm telling you, you read the book of Acts, somebody it's not going to take the mark. And somebody's going to die by not taking the mark. And I'm not fully, fully persuaded that the church won't be the somebody. Oh, we'd rather escape all that. We'd rather avoid all that. But we're not guaranteed. And so we got to start early even in life. Where our blessings really come from. Where our help comes from. That's the reason we bless the food. We train our babies to do it. <laughs> they may do it with their eyes open and laughing. They may even sing it. <laughs> Praise God. But it's a start. It's a start. At least they don't just sit down and go to without putting any thought of where that just came from and who blessed us with it and who helped us. And so, well, I barely touched what I wanted. It's handed down. You go to Paul's writing to Timothy. talks about first it was in first what his grandmother's mother. Now also I see it in you. It's handed down. It's handed down. Things that are handed down. Amen. I want to go to a particular chapter, Psalms 146. And I know my time's up. But just to give us a little idea about our Heavenly Father. Give us a little idea about God. Because we've all have experienced being overlooked. We all felt like that we was, we was sidestepped. That we should have been the one maybe next in line. Or whatever it might have been. You know, from, that can happen at McDonald's or Walmart. Whatever. Amen. But even in life and even in the spiritual line. But even in the world that we're living today. Because um, as we're seeing... Um, uh, finances and inflation and things of this nature really begin to take its toll. Amen. It's going to. Amen. If it keeps going in the direction she's going, amen, there's going to be a lot of hurting people. Amen. And they're going to need help. They're going to need somebody that's got a sound mind. They're going to need somebody that's got some connections and amen to help them to understand some things that's going on around them. Amen. So in Psalms 146 and this is a chapter and I know my time's about up but happy simply means blessed or fortunate. It's 
see that what the God of Jacob that hath the God of Jacob for his help. We cut the Lord to be our help and to help us along this journey. Whose hope is in the Lord, his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. Amen. Which ex- executed judgment for the oppressed. I want you to hear that. He executed, amen, judgment for the oppressed. Judgment simply means justice. Everybody, you know, when you're done wrong or if you're overlooked, amen, what what do you want to see happen? I want to see justice to take place. Amen. I want to see what's fair to take place. Amen. And again, if you get studying into some of this, you'll you'll begin to really see, and and time's not going to allow me to go into all this, but let me hit on a few things. Proverbs 22 and 22 said, Rob not the poor because he is pure, poor, and neither oppress the afflicted in the gate. And the gate here is in the gate is judgment. That's where judgment is taking a lot of time. The oppressed, amen, amen, in the time of judgment. The Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soil of soul man of those that spoiled them understand something amen when you got the God of Jacob and you got Jesus Christ on your behind amen don't let revenge amen rise up in you even in the times that you're overlooked amen just cry out to him lift your voice to him God will work it out and God will make it all work out and come together because he's God and vengeance belongs to him and he'll take care of it in his own kind and gentle way and you know what he won't put greater punishment than what ought not to have been amen you know why you're seeing a lot of this unfold in our nation today it's because individuals felt like they didn't get the fair shake and they feel like they was done wrong and they was raised and they listened to the wrong voices if you listen to the devil he feels sorry for himself he feels like he got a bad deal amen and all the other junk amen that you want to listen to but I'm thankful this morning amen I don't deserve the blessings I've got I don't deserve the life that I'm living I really don't Amen. But you know what? God, I chose a God of Jacob called Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm not going to get all worked up. I'm not going to go grab a a good gun or do this or do that. No, God's going to work it all out. He's God Almighty. I'm telling you, you know what? A lot of times I deserve what I got anyway. When I got a bad deal, I really deserved it anyway because it helped me appreciate the good things of God. Because sometimes, amen, we forget the good stuff we got so God lets a bad deal come to remind us, amen, the blessings and the favor of God. Hey, I'm telling you, it's still worth living for Jesus Christ, regardless of the trials and the troubles and the disappointments and the struggles we have. Amen. If this is what keeps me in the church, then so be it. Hallelujah. I'm going to endure to the end. I'm going to let God be my God and my Savior. He's the author and finisher. He sees it all. He knows it all. I'm not going to get all worked up and all these things. Amen. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let envy and strive and bitterness and jealousy. Amen man and all that dominate my life dominate my spirit dominate my mind this vessel belongs to Jesus Christ but I'm telling you you know one of the spirits just took our country and I can cover a lot of areas anybody look at your Sunday school lesson I got something I could get all miffed about this morning anybody look at your Sunday school lesson anybody look at the last picture in it did you notice anything? A white male should have noticed something. There's not one single white male in the picture. <laughs> Why are y'all looking at me like? 
You're going to see that more and more. You know why? Because the ones that Christ allowed us, the ones <laughs> feel like they never got a fair deal, and they've been overlooked, and they've done this, and they've done that. Hey, even the writer talks about it. You know, the will that, that, that squeaks aloud it gets the oil. <laughs> but thank God. You watch God. See, God's not looking for just that. But he's looking for character. He's looking for, for people. You know, I'm not going to get all upset. I'm not fixing to call, you know, uh, Pentecostal Publishing House. I can't believe y'all put everybody's pictures in there. You got about 15 of them in there. And not one white little boy's in there. What's the matter with y'all? I fix to sue y'all. Somebody else hears this, they might do that. But I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a little example of where we're at and how people can get, you know. We're suing crazy. We're this. And wake up. We better wake up and realize where we're at, you know, and what's going on. And saying, you know what? If God can bring... Now watch this. I don't have the time. I know my time's up. And it's almost quarter twelve. Brother Ford's preaching now. But let, let me, you can stand. But watch this. Let's go to David. Let's go all the way to David. When, when Samuel was sent unto him. Now Samuel was a little nervous. He didn't go out there. He said, hey, Saul will kill me. But, but God gave him the arrangements and told him what to do. And bring in the sacrifice and, and all that. And call Jesse. And call Jesse to the sacrifice. And bring his sons. And the first thing out even Samuel's mouth, the tallest, the oldest one, man, by, by judging the outward countenance of that individual, he's the next one in line. That's the one God's going to anoint. And God had to tell him, said, hey, God, God don't look upon like man looks upon. Man looks at the external. He looks at the statue. But God looks upon the heart. Well, we're right back to that heart issue. That boy didn't have a gun issue. He had a heart issue. I'm here to tell you. They can take all the guns. All you're going to do is take it out of the law-abiding citizens. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not against, say, man, passing some laws. I don't think, you know, what's this? I don't think an 18-year-old ought to be able to buy that gun. If he can't buy alcohol and can't buy cigarettes, but he can buy a gun. What, what's balancing that? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to be politicking up here. And I'm not. I'm just not. I'm just telling you, amen, some areas were out of balance. And I understand that argument. Here's the biggest argument. You know the biggest argument is some of those? I'll tell you what it is. They're afraid if, you get, if they take one, they'll take them all. And that's the intent of some of them. And so you know what we need to do? We, can, we need to quit letting those, that bunch push them out of the way. And need to take that other bunch and push them out. And somebody's got some balance and some sense about it, start ruling. Well, that went over good too, didn't it? But I'm serious. I mean, anyway. But he's got a heart issue. The real problem is a heart issue. Revenge. I'm going to take it out. On 10-year-olds that you don't even know? Don't make no sense at all. That's the devil. That's just how the devil works. You just got a glimpse of when, when you let the devil, when you really release evil and wickedness, you just got a glimpse of it. And if God's hand, and God's grace and mercy wasn't upon us. You're going, to see, you're going to see, and it's coming. It's going to escalate because why? The spirit of iniquity. The spirit of iniquity. The secret of it. How it performs and works and brings about its desire. 
Same way that righteousness is in us. Amen. The mystery of the righteousness of the Holy Ghost that works in our lives and brings us. And this is the reason we tried to train them. This is the reason we tried to instruct them and help them. But watch this. David was never considered by his dad or any of his brothers. He wasn't even called. You had to wait. Thank God Samuel's walking close enough to God. God saying, that's not him. That's not him. That's not him. That's not him. Boom, boom, boom. Finally, the man of God looks around and said, hey, Jesse, you got any more kids? Apparently you do because uh, maybe you don't want to confess them, but you fix them to. Because God just marked all these off. That's walking with God. Ooh, I could preach from that. Well, that's so-and-so's son. Big deal. God marked him off. Said that's not the one. That's God's business. If we'll start letting the church be God's business and not ours, we'll start seeing more of a God's. Okay? <laughs> I believe we're going to see it too. I believe it. I'm sorry, we've got a lot to go. A lot to, but what, what? David, guess what? He wouldn't let him sit down. They went and got David and brought him and ushered him in. That little Rudy guy, I don't know who he thinks he is. <laughs> he didn't think he was nobody. You know my personal belief? I believe that after that anointing is when David went back out there and faced the bear and the lion. And, and under that anointing, God was preparing him. When the three oldest ones followed Saul and equipped by his, his bunch and trained by his military bunch. I'm not casting that down, but on the other hand, when it becomes a God battle and a God warfare and a spiritual warfare, I'm telling you, you can't use the same methods. Praise God. So, anyway, I'm through. We love you. I tell you what we're going to do. Brother, do you mind telling that real quick? Come up here. You use the mic. Come up. Y'all come up front. We're going to do something. Here's what we're going to do. We'll come up here this morning. We're going to stand in and ask God to help us. You may know somebody that's been overlooked. Okay? Child, whatever. I'm not even putting that in, in it. For instance, whosoever. But we're going to come and, 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 and represent them and ask God to help us. Amen. From this service on to open our hearts, our spirits, our eyes unto those that are overlooked. That God wants to bless. That God wants. Now that's going to take up some time. It's going to take up some energy. Amen. It's going to might take, you know, uh, you know. Because you never know. Because, you know, when you start getting little, little babies. Uh, amen. You know, uh, uh, most all of you, but there was two or three didn't get to walk up here by themselves. You know why? Because Marshall couldn't walk up here by himself. Couldn't just put him in the chair and leave him. And so that's the same way with this. It's going to take some of your time and energy. I want to tell this right quick. I'm not sure exactly where I ought to start. I don't want to start and make assumptions on things that um, really is not too connected with it, but uh, there's a lot of things that a lot of people might consider as coincidences, but I called Brother Moore this morning and I told him about it, and it's like him and I said, me and Shelly's been talking about it. There's really not any coincidences when you start giving things to God. Um, I think it was Friday night. Um, we had set up, we stayed up pretty late Friday night, and uh, we went back and watched Brother uh, Joel, not Joel Booker, um, Joel Holmes, his message from this past Monday night, and 
Little Rock, Arkansas. And we ended up probably, it was almost 1 o'clock by the time we cut that off and started heading to bed. And by the time I got into bed, it was a little after 2 o'clock. And normally, anybody that knows me on Saturday mornings, I usually spend those times getting a little extra rest. And it's not unusual, even though I'm not as young as I used to be, it's not unusual for me to sleep till 10, 11, sometimes knocking on 12 o'clock. And uh, for some reason, Saturday morning, we'd already, dis we'd already talked about it Friday about making a little run. We had some stuff we needed to do. And uh, Saturday morning, I got up just shortly after 8 and actually had the intentions of getting back into bed. And, I, well, Shelly got up. She's, she's one that she hates to sleep late. She got up shortly about the time I did, shortly after I did. And uh, I didn't go back to bed. We sat around, had some coffee, and did a little bit, and then we decided to get everything together, and we left out, me, Shelly, and Natalie, and uh, headed down to Gulfport, had some stuff we needed to do, just regular regular things. It wasn't like we had anything planned that we was doing for God, and um, after we got done with what we were doing, I had the intentions of just heading back home, and Shelly made a comment about going by somewhere to eat that we've been a couple of times, nothing nothing special. And it's not like it's something that any of us really just find, you know, just a really good place to eat. But it was, I mean, it's a good place to eat. It's just not one of those things that you really just think about and you're going to drive 100 miles, not that we did. But anyway, me and Natalie both was like, well, what about this, what about this place? What about that place? And uh, Shelly was like, no, Let's just go over there. So we kind of were arguing about it, not really arguing, but we were discussing it back and forth, and Shelly kind of held pretty firm to it. So we ended up going there, and uh, which was unusual. Shelly usually just says, okay, if y'all want something to eat, we'll go there. If not, whatever. She leaves it, usually leaves it up to me. She won't make the decisions on her own. <laughs> but we went there and happened to be seated in an area that was waited on by a lady that I wasn't sure as far as where she was from. I could tell she was not of American English background and lineage. I knew she was probably from the Orient of some area. And in the midst of us, her taking our orders and talking to her and stuff, she ended up us talking and stuff, and she let us know she'd been in America for nine years, and um, I asked her where she was from, and, you know, some things you're just kind of hesitant in asking people questions about, because you never know how some people's going to take it, but I asked her where she was from, she told us she was from the Philippines, and we began to talk to her, and I said, well, I said, you know, for being here nine years, I said, you actually speak pretty good English, and I've found, and especially working at the shipyard, there's a lot of people that you can you can mention that to, and a lot of a lot of foreigners they they take pride in that actually, and being told that they can you know they picked up the English and learned the language pretty good. And she said, "Well, she said English is actually my second language." She said, "Um, she said we were she said we were raised speaking English." She said, "Actually, she said, my dad's a missionary," and we didn't get to talk constantly the whole time. This was in about 
three, maybe four times of her coming by the table. And after she had walked off, me and Shelly and Natalie was talking about it. And uh, we was talking, you know, well, I wonder about this. I wonder about that. And, you know, you're hesitant to just ask people because you don't really want to just get into somebody else's business. But when she came back to the table, ended up in just talking to her, I asked her, I said, well, I said, you know, I said, what religious background, what, what connection do you have as far as the type of belief that your dad was? And she said, well, she said, I guess you could say he was Pentecostal. And she said, she began to talk as far as the dress codes and everything else in which she might not really even have an understanding of it. And she told us, she said, I, well, I asked her, I said, would you go to, go to church anywhere around here? And she told her the Baptist church up the road there she goes to. And I said, well, I said, have you been to any Pentecostal churches around here? She said, yeah. And she named one. She said, I've been there. She said, and I liked it. She said, um, she said, the only thing is, she said, everybody there was super nice. They were real nice. She said, there was one lady in particular said, it's a rich lady. And how she knew this, I don't know. Because I know people down in the Philippines, for the most part, most of them have nothing compared to what they see us as having today. And she said, she was a rich lady. She said she was really nice at church. She said, but she happened to come in here in the restaurant she said, and away from church, and I can't remember the exact word she used, but she's, from the way she described it, she said she was totally different. She didn't act the same. She didn't want to treat people the same. And she said, I find that just unusual, she said, because my dad taught us, she said, that we should always be nice to people no matter what. And she said, I didn't expect this from a Christian from a Pentecostal. She said, it's totally different in America. She said, people, she said, just to have what they have, she said, to pay the bills, she said, most people have to work three jobs. She said, you know, she said, back home where I'm from, she said, we work one job, and unless things has changed from what I know of history and from what I know have seen in years past in like National Geographic and stuff, Less things has changed in the Philippines. Most people, they don't nearly have what we have. But they don't put the emphasis in life on things. She said, we work one job. She said, the rest of the time we spend doing the things that basically just being with family. And she said, I don't understand it. She said, it's different here in America. She said, and I'm really thinking about going back home but we talked to her and I gave her the uh, website to the church and invited her to listen online and uh, told her I said anytime you'd want to I said you'd be welcome to come up and go to church with us and before we left she was just you could tell she was broken there was tears just streaming down her face I told Shelly and Natalie after we left, I said, you know, I said, a lot of us sees people. I said, and we want to pick and think of certain ones that fits a criteria of what we would want to see come to church. I said, and it's not like that. I said, so many people that we would never choose 
They're not our family. And some of us, I'll be the first to admit, uh, there's family that I've got that probably some of you would be, be amazed that is not someone that you would want to invite to your house. Uh, I could name people in the family that went to prison, name people that's died in prison. That's the dregs of society. But most of us don't pick those. We don't even want someone outside of our family a lot of the times to be the ones that comes into church. But I told Shelley, I said, you know, I said, when revival takes place in a church, I said, it's people like those that our church is built on. And we were talking about it this morning. She asked me, she said, you know, she said, she said, you're talking about revival. She said, I thought revival was for the saints. And I said, yeah, I said, it is. I said, and I use that to describe it sometimes as far as revival in a church when it takes place. I said, and I tried to think of an analogy that would describe how revival happens. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, it's about like, and some of you ladies here, especially the older ones, well, understand, I said, it's about like years ago with the old pressure cookers. And I've heard stories, I've never seen it, but I've heard stories about pressure cookers exploding. I said, now, a lady may work for a long time, hours on end, trying to get vegetables ready to can. I said, cleaning jars, which I didn't go into all the details with her, but some of you knows how it is. Getting the pressure cooker ready, ready getting the seals, making sure everything's done right, putting it all together and begin to put it on the stove. I said, and that's how revival takes place in our church. It takes us a lot of steps, a lot of processes, and God's working with us because we're the pressure cooker. I said, but when God gets it to where he wants it, I said, years ago with the pressure cookers, I said, it was a fear of the ladies that they'd blow up. I said, but God wants it to explode. I said, and when it gets right, I said, and when it explodes, it's going to spread. And there's going to be those like that that we wouldn't pick, we wouldn't choose. And Brother Holmes mentioned in his message, and I've heard it, I've heard it testified. We, Mama can tell you she might even be able to name names. I can't remember names because I was younger. But there was people that literally told, I don't know why I turned in here, I was driving by. And something just almost turned my steering wheel and turned me into this place. And it might not have been the first night they was there. It might have been later on in them giving a testimony a year, year or two down the road. But sometimes when revival happens and when revival gets right, when the church is revived, there's things like that takes place and we never know where they come from. Shelly ended up giving the lady our her phone number and told her, said, look, said, if you ever want to call, text, whatever, said, feel free. And it's, it's one of those cases, you know, we, we may never hear from her. We may never know. But sometimes you may hear later on that, hey, my parents, I talked to them. They were praying, and y'all were an answer to prayer because she's got a mama and a daddy that in whatever form is evidently back home in the Philippines. She's over here in America by herself. And her parents are probably praying for her, have been since she's been over here. 
She's over here with no family, nothing. And she's struggling just to be able to keep her head above water. And when we took just a little bit of time, you could see the brokenness. You could see the tenderness, especially when she stood there and she began to cry. And it's things like that that we're here for. We don't even think about it most days. And then this, well, last night, when we opened the lesson, we started reading the lesson. First thing I noticed was the title. And I turned the book where Shelly could see it, and I showed her the title. And I could see that it hit her the same way as it hit me. It's about the overlooked. And we dealt yesterday with overlooked. Someone that in most of our eyes would be a castaway. She was not she was not what we would sing. I mean, she was she was nice. She was super nice. Very, very sweet lady. But she was not something that we would all look at and go, hey. That's the one that I want to go witness to. But sometimes we need to let God choose and not us. So what I want us to do this morning, and uh, I'd done thought of this before he had actually called me this morning, but we're just going to come stand in maybe for someone you know or ask God to help us, a man, to not overlook somebody because you just never know. And unless we ask and sensitive to these things, I didn't go into some of that part of the lesson. Time just eat me up here. But uh, to, to not miss because, again, unless we're sensitive to God. And I'm going to tell you, it's easy to become calloused. It's a lot easier than we think. But I'm, in this world we're living in today especially. So we want God to help us. We want to be the witnesses that he wants us to be. In our community, in our homes, workplaces, wherever how it might be. So what I've asked us to do, just come up here as an act of faith and asking God to help us stir us up. Amen. As we either stand in for that individual or give ourselves to be a witness to that individual. Would you help me pray? Lord, we love you this morning and appreciate you so much. What a beautiful testimony. What a beautiful lesson. And God, we want it to stir us up. Stir us up in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. Because Lord, we don't want to overlook no one. But we want to be a vessel that you can use in this end time to be a testimony of your goodness and grace and mercy and the powers of your love. As you help us, God, as we go up and down the highways and the byways of this world, we want to be a witness of your goodness and power and the truth and the love of God the power and the Holy Ghost that works in our lives would guide us and lead us God that we can sow the good seed of the word of God that we can water people that we can be a blessing to them uplifting them encourage them to come to the house of God more importantly to make their way unto you Jesus I ask you to touch every man woman born girl in this assembly this morning as you quicken our hearts our minds as you help us God to put the eyes salve on our eyes to see the work of God, to see the possibilities and respond to it, to giving you the honor for it, giving you the glory for it, as you anoint each and every one of us with the powers of your presence, the power of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give him the glory for it this morning. Putting our hands together. Believe in God. Believe in the love of God, the power of God to work in our lives. Praise God. Praise God. Appreciate you this morning. God bless you. You dismiss the fear of the Lord.